Hey, Jason here. Today's video, I'm going to answer the question, should you invest or should you buy Viacom CBS stock ticker VIAC? This is stock analysis for Mohammed A, who requested this on YouTube. Before we get to that, though, I need to let you know you can get this series as a podcast anywhere in the world for free on all major podcasting platforms, Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and more. You can get this part of the I Love Value Investing podcast anywhere in the world for free. And if you like this video here on YouTube and our other videos, Make sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell so you're notified every time we release a new video and we're releasing new videos all the time. Okay, I don't want to do this. I apologize. Um, I have to do this because every time I don't, I get nasty comments on here. So this is for your informational purposes only to help you become a better investor faster by showing you the processes I use to find um, and evaluate stocks fast. I do not short sell ever. Um, so I don't uh, benefit of, of any company I talk natively about. I also don't own any stock in a long position in any company I talk positively about. So I don't benefit from this either way. I'm doing this for your informational purposes only. Um, the reason I'm doing this, again, is to help you figure out how to find these great stocks and evaluate them fast so you have a better chance of earning higher investment returns. These stocks, however, are requested at viewers or by viewers, sorry, because of that, I often don't know what the company does. Today's case is a little bit different. I know a little bit about what they do, uh, but most companies I research uh, or do these videos for, I don't know what they do. And I keep it that way purposely, so I'm not biased either negatively or positively by what the company's story is. Uh, because at this stage of the analysis, I don't care what the story is. I don't care what the CEO says the company's gonna do. I don't care about their gigantic future plans. I don't care about any of that um, at this stage of my analysis. Um, why should you listen to anything I have to say? Because in the first nine years of my career, I produced average annual investment returns of 23.5% per year on average in the portfolios I manage. Um, this puts me just behind the great Warren Buffett who produced 24.2% average annual investment returns at, in the first nine years of his career at the Buffett Limited Partnership. Um, my numbers legitimately make me one of the best stock pickers in the entire world, but I, I'm not saying that to brag. Uh, frankly, <laughs> it makes me a little queasy even saying that. Um, I don't like talking about myself because this is all about helping you. But the reason I am saying that is because hopefully it proves to you I actually know what I'm talking about a little bit. Okay, so let's get to today's video. Again, I apologize for that. Don't want to do it. Have to do it. Okay, so before I even scroll down, first thing you'll notice here, if you've seen my other videos, we haven't talked about this yet. This company has multiple classes of shares. What does that mean? Um, Usually, in this case, the A shares are either worth more because they have, and they're, they're usually worth more and higher priced because they have more voting rights. Um, in this case, I don't know what Viacom CBS uh, share structure is, but this is something you absolutely want to find out. If you have lower voting rights, if you have voting rights at all, some, again, depending on the class structure, you might not have voting rights at all. Those are called um, uh, so-called tracking stocks. You want to find out what is this class B shares mean? <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. 2.4% dividend. Uh, market cap, 26, just under $26 billion. This is actually interesting. Um, again, I don't care for Ford P pretty much at all. But when I do, I want to see this number under 20. This is one sign at 9.97. The company might be undervalued. Uh, for those of you who do not know what CBS, uh, Viacom CBS is, uh, I'll read this description. Uh, 
and again, like I said in the intro to this video, I do know a little bit about what they do, um, unlike most of the other videos we do. Okay, so Viacom CBS is the recombination of CBS, and Viacom has created a media conglomerate operating around the world. CBS television assets include the CBS television network, 28 local TV stations, and 50% of CW, a joint venture between CBS and Time Warner. The company also owns Showtime and Simon & Schuster. Viacom owns several leading cable network properties, including Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, VH1, CMT, and Paramount. Viacom also has built several online properties on the strength of these brands. Uh, brand. uh, Viacom's Paramount Pictures produces original motion pictures and owns a library of 2,500 films, including the Mission Impossible and Transformers series. Okay, so these guys are a big deal in the media arena, um, but let's see what their numbers show. And I forgot to open these, so apologize for the few seconds it's going to take. Okay. And this is apparently frozen here, so I'm going to have to reload again. It's not showing me any info. And it's still not showing me any info. So I'm not sure what's going on here. But hopefully Morning Star isn't doing something weird with their key ratios tab again, like they did several months ago, where they completely took it away. Okay. I don't see it. In. Not sure what's going on. Relight, we'll reload everything. Okay, so they apparently are having some issues here. I'm going to pause the video and be right back. So, boo! Morningstar looks to be doing something with their key ratios tab again. Um, again, not sure why. Not sure what's up with their data feed. But we'll continue with this analysis by looking at Viacom's not valuation yet. We will look at their actual numbers. Okay, so let's go to their not annual or not quarterly. We want the annual income statement. Okay, revenue is going up pretty significantly from oops from thirteen point one uh, thirteen point two billion dollars rounded up in twenty sixteen to twenty six point three billion dollars in trailing total period. That's a fantastic growth rate. I'm assuming because of the big jump between 2018 and twenty nineteen. This is when these two companies uh, recombined. Um, frankly, I don't know. Even though I know a little bit about the company, I don't know when they recombine. So my guess is that's what that large jump is. Or there's some kind of other acquisition um, that was coming from that. Their operating profit is total operating profit and loss right here. Oops, cannot highlight that. So it's gone up from $2.66 billion in 2016 to 4.78 billion in the trailing 12 month period. Again, huge jump between 2018 and 2019. <coughs> I assume that's 
due to some kind of acquisition of some sort. But that is good. Operating profits going up. So in here is actually a way to do this if Morningstar is ever on the FUTs, having issues, not showing data, whatever. You can divide by 2.66, divided by the revenue, which was 13.17. So they have a 20.2% operating profit margin, which is fantastic. That is in 2016. Let's see what that number is now. Uh, 4.78. 0.78 divided by 26.32. <clears throat> so their operating margin is down slightly by two percentage points. Um, not a huge deal, but again, we'd want to figure out why, and we'd also want to do this over the further trend as well, um, which we can't do right now easily because um, the key ratios tabs appear to be gone again. Um, so what, oops, I need to go back over here for this one. What we're going to do here is we're going to assume it's in the 18 to 25% range. Um, and that is fantastic. I mean, I look for anything above 10% on a consistent basis. Um, so that's very good. Okay. Nothing else on here. I want to look at, because frankly, I don't care about the income statement at all. Um, the only reason I'm even looking at the income statement right now is to be able to look at some of these numbers across time. Okay, their cash levels have gone up significantly from 0.6 billion, so 600 million in 2016, to just under 3 billion in, at the end of 2020. I don't know why it's not showing the trailing 12 month numbers over here, or the March recent quarters numbers over here. Again, I don't know what goes into Morningstar's data. Apparently, they might be having some issues. Inventory is a bit interesting. They're a, oh, that's probably their, um, their, some of their harder assets, but they're a media company, so the inventory is a little bit confusing there. Okay. Properties. They've added about $500 million worth of properties, $600 million, actually, about $700 million worth of properties in the last five years. Um, that's interesting, frankly. Uh, again, that, that that happened in 2018, 2019, huge jump. I'm assuming, again, due to some kind of acquisition, which I'm actually going to look up, look up now. CBS. Yes, so that happened in 2019. So that's why there's a huge jump in from 2018 to 2019. They remerged in <clears throat> 2019, August 2019, actually. We want to know what this number is. Other property plan equipment, it says random number by itself and only in 2020 of $4.15 billion. I would want to know what that is. To figure that out, you have to go to the um, actual 10K. Okay, Goodwill. We haven't talked about Goodwill in a while. There is an enormous amount of Goodwill here. $18.22 billion in 2016 compared to just under $30 billion in 2019 or 2020, sorry. You see 2019 numbers 
are higher than the current numbers means they had to impair some of the value um, impair or write down some of the value of their assets here what is goodwill 99% um, of the time I do not care about goodwill at all it's useless in real world economic sense the 1% of the time I care about goodwill at all is if the company has enormous competitive advantages. Um, and when I say enormous, I mean enormous, like long lived 20, 10, 20 plus years. And you're thinking about like Apple's, you're thinking about um, like Amazon's, you're thinking about those companies of the world, the gigantic corporations. Um, other than that, goodwill is essentially useless. Why? Because it is an accounting number only. Um, this number accounts for the amount above the book value that you paid to acquire a company. So let's say a company has a book value of $1 billion based on its balance sheet. Um, book value is total assets minus total liabilities. Whatever's left over in a positive sense is book value. Let's say they have a book value of $1 billion. If the company paid, if this in this case, Viacom CBS paid $2 billion for them, they would get a goodwill um, asset of $1 billion. What does this mean? In a real world sense, in a real world sense, that means you overpaid based on the book value of the company. And typically that means you overpaid for the company. Not always, because most companies, pretty much all companies now, um, aren't just run on hard assets. But in many cases, when goodwill rises, it's typically not a good thing because you most because just based on the fact that most acquisitions are to some degree overpaid for, um, barring some kind of distress situation. Um, when you see goodwill going up, that's typically not a good thing. And when goodwill goes up and then it has to be impaired or written down, that destroys the asset value of the balance sheet, which destroys the book value of the balance sheet, which lowers the intrinsic value of the company. And we'll get to book value in a second. Okay, so accumulated impairment of goodwill in the last five years, sometime before the last five years, they had they've impaired a total of about thirteen point three five billion dollars worth of assets. That means that due to some major impairments in the past, that they've lost or destroyed, depending on how you look at it, thirteen point three five billion dollars worth of their value. Um, that is a really, really, really bad thing. <laughs> And again, to find that out, um, Viacom CBS impairment. Dun, dun, dun. Visually impaired, not what we're looking for. So they had a recent impairment of $46.6 million. That's not the big number, though. That's not the $13.35 billion. billion dollars in annual content spend I'm not seeing this and it happened sometime before the last five years um, so I can't say for certain what it is but I can say for certainty that that is a very very bad thing the reason being is because that means if they're 52.66 billion dollars in total assets they had now would be worth 13.35 billion dollars more so almost what one sixty two 
$66 billion would be their total asset value if they didn't have to impair that amount. They have a ton of long-term debt, $19.72 billion in long-term debt. They are a $25 billion company. That's a ton of debt for their size of company. <clears throat> Actually, when you include their capital lease, it's $21.3 billion, which is almost the entire market cap. Meaning, if you subtract total debt after subtracting total cash, you're left with is that about $18 billion in debt, net debt? Um, that's not including short-term debt. Did I miss that? So they don't have much short-term debt. So they have eight, about $18 billion of net debt. Their entire market cap is <clears throat> $26 billion. Excuse me. Meaning, if you subtract 26 from 18, that gets you... <laughs> that gives you $8 billion left in value, and that's the real book value of the company. Again, we're going to have a different number here when we get down to book value um, because we're looking at other things like deferred liabilities and stuff. But that gives you an illustration of how much value debt can and often does destroy. So where is their total equity? So they show about $16 billion in uh, book value of the company, I would put it lower, frankly, actually, it's going to be negative, isn't it? Because I would subtract goodwill, I would subtract all of goodwill off of that. Yes, so after subtracting goodwill, they have, which is $30 billion, by my estimation, again, this is what I would do in a real world sense, I discount book value anytime I do, or I discount goodwill anytime I do a um, book valuation about a company they have negative what is that 14 billion dollars in book value meaning <laughs> book value is another proxy uh, it's also called shareholders equity shareholders equity is another term for the company's shares so all else remaining equal this means that the company's shares based on its book value only are worth less than zero now that's not how it works in a real world sense because you have companies' operations, which book uh, book value here, and the balance sheet doesn't consider. Um, but this is a massive red flag because this their their amount of debt is a huge drag on the company's value. Uh, most of all, again, if without the goodwill, which is not a real world economic number, doesn't add anything economically in again ninety nine percent of cases to the company's um, operations. In a real-world sense, this company has negative $14 billion worth of um, shareholder equity. Uh, that is, again, not good. That puts enormous risk on the company, um, especially since well, we haven't looked at the free cash flow yet um, because we can't look at the key ratios tab. Okay. What are we seeing here?
huge negative numbers, negative 14, negative 12, negative 11 billion dollars. What are those coming from? These other non-cash items, whatever those are. And without actually, again, digging into their financials, we don't know what those are. But that's something you would want to find out as well, because that's a huge loss of money. What if those are impairments? Because it happened after 2018. I didn't see any impairments after 2018 on the balance sheet. That was just total accumulated impairments. Let's go back to the balance sheet. Impair. So does not in total count for their huge changes in cash flow. Interesting. I'm assuming it has something to do with the acquisition because they had $1 billion negative in 2018 and then all of a sudden in 2019 they have $14 billion and then 2020 almost $12 billion negative. Okay, to partially make up for that and to build cash during last year's COVID, the Issued uh, $4.4 billion of debt last year. Most of their cash <clears throat> last year actually came from the net proceeds of that debt issuance, which is not great. Okay, so... Bunch of questions here as well. Uh, big questions, actually. Again, I can't figure out what these other non-cash items are um, because Morningstar doesn't say what these are. Um, and again, without me actually calculating it out of myself, I had, don't have a guess either. Total change in other operating capital. Yeah, it doesn't say. So without digging into their 10K, Viacom CBS is, in my estimation, based on what I look for in the portfolios I manage, way over indebted. Um, their book value is actually negative when you account for a goodwill, which again, I would do. That's a massive, another massive drag on the company. Um, those two right there and the questions we have on the cash flow statement here are enough to say I wouldn't invest in the company, but let's go oops, up here at the valuation. <coughs> Excuse me. So the company is actually about fairly valued right now. I'll get to why in a second. But again, I don't care for PE, price to cash flow, or forward PE at really at all. But I do, I want to see these under 20. Um, PE is 7.8 rounded up. 
price to cash flow is 8.9 or 8.6 rounded up. Sorry, and forward PE is 10 rounded up. These all fall well underneath the 20 range. This number down here though is the most important enterprise value to EBIT. This is at 8.26. I look for anything below eight to consider a company undervalued. Um, so this is right on that threshold. So what I consider continuing to look at this company? Frankly, no. Uh, there are too many red flags I saw throughout, including their massive debt load, um, the issues with the um, negative book value when when looking at um, its balance sheet, uh, the issues I found on the cash flow statement where they are losing like 10, 12, 14 billion dollars a year. Um, and they don't really say why. <laughs> Again, we can find that out if we're digging to their 10Ks. Um, I'm not going to do that right now. But with this information here, I would not continue or I would not consider investing in um, Viacom CBS right now, even though it's reasonably valued um, for the other reasons I talked about. And it has, frankly, good margins. Uh, but when it comes to, at least when it comes to their operating profit margin, we can't look at our RLIC today because, again, Morningstar's data is messed up. Um, we also couldn't look at free cash flow to true sales, but I did see that most of their free cash flow the last last year and this, so far this year is from debt issuances, which is not a good thing. That's not a sign of a healthy company. Most of the time, free cash flow sales on a healthy company should be coming from the company's operations, not from issuing debt or issuing shares. So would not invest in Viacom CBS in the portfolios I manage. Um, hope you found this useful. Mohammed A. Would love to hear your thoughts and anyone else's thoughts on this analysis um, when you get a chance. If I miss anything, if I should explain something better, if I didn't explain something well enough, let me know in the comments below. If you want me to evaluate a stock like this, like I did for Mohammed here today, let me know in the comments below. If it meets three criteria, I'll look at a st uh, this stock anywhere in the world for you. What three criteria are those? Can't be a bank. I don't evaluate banks. Um, can't be an insurance company because you actually have to dig into the 10Ks to evaluate insurance companies. And it has to be producing revenue. Why does it have to be producing revenue? Because at this stage, again, I don't care about story. I don't care about what they say they're going to do. I need the actual results to evaluate the company. Um, I did some companies, I did some analysis videos of companies that were not producing revenue. In fact, they were probably boring because I didn't have anything to talk about. So if it meets those three criteria, I'll look at a stock anywhere in the world for you. Let me know in the comments below. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, like thanks so much. I uh, really appreciate it. Make sure to like, love, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, comment as well. If you do subscribe, make sure to hit the notification bell so you're notified every time we release a new video and release new videos all the time. If you're listening on the podcast, again, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, we also really appreciate all that same stuff, but on the podcast specifically, we'd also really appreciate a review. Um, the more reviews, views, and listens we get on our content, the more people we can help. If you're looking for more specific help on how to become a better value investor, how to become a better investor, sorry. Make sure to check out our free resources below, including our five free gifts, where you can get our full valuation template or uh, analysis template for free. Sorry, that's part of the five free gifts. You can also get a free PDF copy of my book, How to Value Invest, and a free copy of our guide, Seven Tips to Picking Great Stocks, and Three Times You Must Sell. You can get all three of those for free at the links below. Um, and if you're looking for more specific help from me on how to become a better investor faster, make sure to check out the information below for our newly relaunched masterclass. Uh, we're already getting students in. Uh, we're going to start live session soon and if you'd like to join us make sure to check out the information on masterclass below but until next time have a great day talk soon